Welcome to LifeBridge Online. Whenever it is that you are watching this or listening to this, we are grateful that you are once again tuning in to be part of our online community. Speaking of our online community, I want to encourage you to, if you have not already done so, go to the LifeBridge Facebook page and join our LifeBridge Facebook community. Uh, we're trying to do a better job of interacting with one another uh, and I know that this is a, a source of uh, weakness for me. I'm trying to do a better job of this. But we want to love our online neighbors as we do ourselves. And we can't do this when it's just you listening or watching uh, these videos at home and we don't have any interaction. So we would love for you to interact with us as we try to live out the very thing that Jesus commanded in loving our neighbors uh, as ourselves. And so if you haven't done that yet, we encourage you to go do this, participate within the community, um, engage with others as we try to just do our part in living out our faith. Hey, let's pray, and then we're going to get into our topic today. Hey, Father, we love you. And once again, we gather uh, around your word, whether it's something that we read or something that we hear. We've gathered today, and we want you to speak into our lives. So God, no matter what we're doing, as, as, your, as your recorded words come into our mind, as we hear them, as we see them, as we read them, Father, I pray that, that your word will change us, that, that we will be transformed. As we talk about this topic of, of happiness, Lord, I pray that we see the biblical equation for happiness, and we live that out. We love you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So this coming week, I've been invited to go to an early breakfast with an acquaintance of mine from the Atlanta area. And he's going to be traveling through North Alabama, uh, stopping along the way in Huntsville for the night. And he invited me up, uh, along with a couple of other ministers, for some breakfast. Now, now the issue is, is that he's in, invited me on this next Wednesday, and I have a, I have a health screening that day, which means I have to fast. But I'm taking that one step further this year because I want my numbers to be the best that they've ever been, and I've already committed to not even drinking coffee. So I had to warn him. I was like, you, you want a, an early morning meeting with me? And, and I'm, it's on a day that I'm not only am I not going to be eating food, I'm not going to be drinking coffee for that day and for the hours before that. Now, I need you to understand something about my journey with coffee. I, I, I've only been drinking coffee for the, the past five years this coming May. And man, what an incredible journey it has been. Uh, when I finally developed the taste for coffee in my life, like most things, I, I jumped completely into the deep end. I mean, I'm, I'm over my head in coffee. I, I'm a coffee connoisseur. I love coffee. And as my wife would say it, I am a coffee snob. Uh, I will get up in the morning, uh, usually in the five o'clock hour, the coffee pot has been set. And, and I just, I, I love that, that feeling every day, that, that first 
morning whiff of coffee that you get as you walk towards the kitchen. And it's a crazy how my mood changes from this sleepy, groggy, often grumpy uh, mindset, how that changes as I start to sip on that first cup, cup of coffee. And, and I'm one of these that I, I like it black with just, just a little bit of, of sweetener, very little sweetener in it to kind of take the edge off of it. And usually by my second, or probably closer to fourth cup, I am ready to go. Man, I love coffee. There's some scientific study that reveal that those who drink coffee are happier people and they are more productive. See, here's the thing with coffee. Coffee gives you these benefits. First off, it's, it's all natural, it's grown, right? Uh, it increases your energy level. Coffee improves brain function and coffee makes you feel less depressed. And so as you take in your morning cup of coffee, if you're a big coffee drinker, you need to know that the neurotransmitters in your brain release the dopamine um, and you start to feel happy. Man, now before I get the emails, I know, I know, I know, I know. It, it's the caffeine that is found in the coffee and other substances, truth be told, that causes this chemical reaction to kick in the dopamine that helps us feel happy. Coffee isn't the only wonder pill. I get that, all right? But isn't, isn't that crazy to think that you and I, we are created in such a way that there are chemical reactions that take place in our bodies that can impact our mood and to help us to live and have happier moments throughout the day. There was a Gallup poll done just a few years ago and this poll was done in several different countries asking people about the number one desire that they had in life. What's the number one desire in life? And the number one answer, the number one answer from first and second and third world countries alike is that we all have the desire to be happy. Like that's the number one desire in our life is, is to be happy. Now, the interesting thing about this poll taken was that it was a multi-question survey. And when you answered the first question about your greatest desire, most people said something like this, I desire to be rich, or I desire to be healthier, or I desire to be skinnier, or I desire to have hair on my head, or I desire to be in a relationship. But after you asked, answered that first question, there were always some follow-up questions that, that were asked, and, and the follow-up questions led to, I just want to be a happier person. And if I have X, if I have a new relationship, if I have more hair on my head, if I am skinnier, if I have more money, if I have all of these things, then that will lead to my happiness. Now, here's what the poll revealed, and this certainly is not news to you. 
people are seeking happiness from the wrong source. Is having more hair on your head a bad thing? Is having more money? Not always. It's, it's not always a bad thing. When the source of our, when these things are the source of our happiness, they will always let us down. When it's just the next thing on the list, it's going to always let us down. We're going to always be seeking something else to make us happy. The next purchase, the, the, the next financial goal, the next relationship, whatever I need to do to be happy. Because happiness is a temporary feeling. And, and like my morning cup of coffee, it's, it's one today that makes me feel happy. But over the course of time, it's two, it's three, it's four. Now it takes a pot of coffee for me to, to have that same feeling that I once had. What if there is something else? What if there is something better that can lead to you and I living happier lives? What if instead of the next thing, there, there, there's a, a, a lifestyle, there's a way to live that would lead to you and I living happier lives? Now, here's the thing about God. I think God wants us to enjoy life. No, no, no matter where we are, God, you know, God doesn't just want us to, to walk through life moping around, you know, not having any fun. God, God's not like that. He wants us to enjoy this life seeking him and he being the very thing that fulfills us. All right. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief comes and he's teaching to his disciples. And he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Sounds kind of miserable, doesn't it? Sounds very unhappy, if you will. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Like, I, I love this image of, about what Jesus is doing here. It's like this, this thief comes, and, and for my followers, the thief comes. He tries to come and, and, and steal and kill and destroy and take away their life and take away really the thing that provides the fulfillment he goes, but I have come and I want you to have life and I want you to have it abundantly. He, Jesus wants us to enjoy this life by seeking him and he being the very thing that we find fulfillment in. Anything on this earth will always let me down. Anything will always let me down if God is not the source and if God is not behind it. And so as we read this week in our Core 52 book, there's kind of an equation. God's given us an equation. He's given us a, a formula for happiness. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalm. Uh, we're in chapter 1, right out of the gate. Like, you know, this book that just does nothing but praise God. You know, it glorifies God for who he is. It starts out with the equation to our happiness, right? So turn with me there. Let's read this out of the ESV this morning. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its life does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. Understand this about the, the Hebrew and, and the Greek language. A word that we read in English can have several different meanings, which is the case right here. The, the word blessed, um, in this case, in the Hebrew, it actually means happy. It means fortunate. So happy is, and then it lists the things, happy is the man who does these things that then follow the, the equal sign that follows the second part of, of the formula. Now, I, I, wanna, I wanna go ahead and kind of give you a little bit of a warning today. We're not going to delve into the difference between joy and happiness. There are differences there, and, and I encourage you to, to study that on your own. The world uses the word joy to define happiness. However, there is a major difference uh, between how the Bible defines joy and how the world defines joy. So today, we're really just kind of focusing in on this topic of happiness, which is something that we don't do a lot of within the church. So as we do that, let's talk about it. What is What's happiness? Happiness is the temporary sense of well-being, joy, and contentment. Right? I'll say that again because I want you to pick up on all parts of this. Happiness is a temporary sense of well-being, joy, and of contentment. Now, let's go back to Psalm 1, and let's dive into the formula, right? So verse 1, blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Did you catch my slip up? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We understand that in the Hebrew language, the word blessed here means happy. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So part one of our formula that we are working on today has to do with the people that we interact with day in and day out. That, that's, that's essentially what this is saying. Happy is the person who does not get advice from morally bad people or journeys with sinners or hangs out with those who mock others. Here's a life truth, and this is true in any form or fashion, right? This is true in any capacity. The people in your life play a significant role in your overall attitude and well-being, right? Like, like the people in your life, they, they impact you. 
If, if you are rank, hanging out with the negative Nellies, and you're just continually around that coworker, maybe that's always negative, always a, a, a Debbie Downer. When you're hanging out with these people, man, you're going to start having negative outlooks on life. It's, it's just true. And everyone is susceptible to peer pressure on some level. Everyone is susceptible to being influenced by those around us. Now, the, the cool thing is we can also be influencers as well. But we are all susceptible to, to peer pressure and how people impact our lives, whether it's good or bad. And, and we were sitting in sermon team and uh, somebody brought this verse up. First uh, Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So you can be this outstanding young person you are morally sound and you just you're just the salt of the earth but bad company can ruin you can ruin your reputation can ruin your decision making from our reading this week in our core 52 books mark moore writes our relationships account for the bulk of our happiness i want you to just let that sit for a moment our relationships account for the bulk of our happiness. When we build godly relationships, our happiness increases. Friends and family are the best source of oxytocin. Therefore, above all, choose companions that lead to healthy choices. You know, as a parent, it's one of the, the top concerns I have with my children going into public schools, being on uh, you know, robotics teams or being on uh, baseball, golf teams, whatever the case may be, is who are they going to be around? Who are the adults that are going to be speaking into their life? Who are the people that are going to have influence on them? Because those people have a huge impact on your mood, on who you are and who you are being shaped to become. So when we think about this formula for happiness, part one of the equation has to do with the people in your life. Who are these people? The second part of the equation is found in verse two. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Happy is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Happy is the man who, who meditates on this. Happy is the man who meditates on his law day and night. Here's the truth. The word of God in my life has a bearing on my actions and my attitude or mood. Did you know some stats for you here? A lot of stats the rest of today. Did you know that if you engage in God's word four times per week or more, that it is proven to have an impact on your choices physically and psychologically. Yeah, people who engage in the Bible four times per week or more are 67% less likely to have a drug or alcohol addiction. They're 65% less likely to view pornography. They're 70% less likely to gamble. 
the, the, just those who engage, just those who pick up the Bible on their own merit and they read four times or more, that they are less likely to have a drug, alcohol addiction, view pornography, or have a gambling problem. It, it also impacts our mental and, and emotional center as well. Reading the Bible four times or more a week changes your heart. You are 30% less likely to be self-destructive. You are 30% less likely to have depressive episodes. You are 30% less likely to deal with anxiety and worry. And you're 31% less likely to have critical attitudes towards other people. The Word of God, as we meditate, as we take it into our lives, it can transform who we are. How many times have you heard me use the verse from Romans chapter 12? Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and, and acceptable and perfect. We're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. What we think about, what we absorb into our minds has a direct impact on our well-being. And so Paul's writing this letter to the church whose mind has been shaped by the world. It's been shaped by their culture around it because, I mean, let's be real. This is Christianity that is being spread. And so the, the message of God and Jesus and who this is is being taken to new places. And he tells this church, he tells these people who, whose minds have been impacted by their culture and their surroundings that, that they can have a, that transformation takes place with a renewal of mind. Take, for example, if you will, what's taking place in our society right now. Anxiety and depression are on the rise with teens and preteens in our culture. One article I read said that anxiety or depression, that it's up 37% since 2014. And the percentage of teens dealing with this has tripled since the early 90s. That's taking place with our teenagers. That's taking place within our households. More and more of our kids are starting to deal with anxiety and depression. And I think it's fair. I think it's fair what is filling the minds of our kids. What are they taking in? Certainly they're taking in the, 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 the influences of the house, right? Um, how you as uh, parents talk to your children. Uh, they're certainly taking on and being influenced by the education system, whether they're homeschooled or whether they're you know, in public school, whether they're in college or the university, whatever the case may be. That's certainly having an impact on their, on their minds. Uh, their peers play into that as well. All of these things are, are impacting what they are taking into their minds. But also this, 
66% of preteens aged 8 to 12 play video games for an average of two hours per day. So 14 hours a week they're spending playing video games. 56% of teens aged 13 to 17 play video games for an average of two and a half hours per week. As they get older, they spend more time playing the games, almost 18 hours per week. The same demographic of eight to 17 year olds spends on average three and a half hours per day total on some type of screen, whether it be the video games mentioned, whether it be social media, TikTok, Snapchat, or whether it just be watching TV, Netflix, some type of, of show. 25 hours per week, our kids are being impacted mentally by, by the things that they watch, whether it's a, a, a video game, and not all video games are bad, certainly. Uh, my children play video games right now in our house. Not all video games are, are bad, and I don't want you to think that I'm attacking video games. But here's the thing. Anxiety and depression are on the rise, and so is the amount of time that kids spend on screens versus kids of my generation in the early 90s and before. We didn't have access to these things to fill our minds. Now, we had access to other things, and it certainly wasn't always wholesome. But as anxiety and depression are on the rise, I find it interesting that kids are spending more and more time in front of a screen. And usually, usually the things that they are taking into their mind, the things that they are watching and participating in, usually those things are not beneficial. They may not always be bad, but they're not beneficial. I wonder what the average American teenager is filling her mind with, his or her mind with. Transformation of any kind, healthy or not, is equated to what is happening in our minds. Paul's instruction here is very clear. Do not follow the pattern of this world. Hey, just because your neighbors are doing it, just because your neighbor's kids are doing it, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it. Just because Johnny down the street can play video games, you know, as a 13-year-old can play mature video games, doesn't mean that it's always okay for the kids in your house to be playing as many video games. Do not follow the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Meditate. Meditate on the word of God both day and night. So the second part of the equation of happiness has to do with the copious amounts of scripture in my life. We've got to have more of God's word in our lives. Another Another uh, section from our reading, while there are many ways to release dopamine, meditation is up toward the top. Meditation has been the focus of much of the research on happiness. 
not just from Eastern mysticism, but even from a Christian perspective. Caroline Leaf, a neuroscientist, revealed how we can rewire our brains. Because proteins hold our thoughts, our thoughts literally take up real estate in our brains. So the more we meditate on positive thought, the larger it grows. As we meditate, we release the addictive dopamine that determines happiness. And here's the thing that we need to realize about this, and we need to be clear on this. Bible knowledge alone, getting just having the facts, is, is, isn't the end-all, be-all. True happiness is happening when we are living out what we are learning, what we are meditating on, what, what we are taking into our life. That is key. So the third part then of the equation is found in verse 3. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. So let me let me explain what is happening here this way because Paul, I mean, uh, David is kind of, what? What just happened here? When you are being careful with who you're hanging out with, that's verse one. That's part one of the equation. And you're meditating on the word of God regularly. That's verse two, the second part of the equation. You are like a tree that is bearing much fruit. And so David kind of gives us this, this image. He gives us this metaphor for what happiness looks like, right? So when I take the two parts of the equation, the people I hang out with, the relationships, and the Word of God, and I bring those together, I'm, I'm going to have happiness, like that, that's what that happens. But as that happens, this is what it looks like. I'm, I'm going to be bearing fruit. In God's economy, he desires for you to bear fruit. He, he wants you to bear fruit, that you are able to be productive with your life. Your Bible knowledge and your relationships intersecting, you then will start to bear fruit. So understand Understand the equation in Psalm 1. Happy is the person who is careful with who he is letting influence and is actively seeking the Holy Scriptures in your life. And as a result, you're going to bear fruit. That's what leads to happiness. Having these significant moments. In one of the last teachings of Jesus, and we're almost done, in one of the last teachings of Jesus, he talks about bearing fruit. He, he tells his disciples that they are to abide in him and he's going to remain in them. And that the desire for the Father is that everyone bear fruit. And he warns that if you're not bearing fruit, if you're not producing fruit, and let's be clear for just a second. Bearing fruit comes in many different forms. It's not just tithing. It's not just taking communion. It's not just church attendance. Bearing fruit does come in many different forms throughout the faith journey. The warning is if you're not bearing fruit, if you're not being productive as a, as a tree, an apple tree is not a productive tree if it doesn't have apples on it. 
If you're not bearing fruit, you're going to be cut off and you're going to be thrown into the fire. But look at what Jesus says at the, towards the end of this teaching about bearing fruit. John chapter 15, verses 8 through 11. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Joy, and I studied this in this text, is extreme happiness. As you produce fruit in your life, your extreme happiness will overflow. So the formula, blessed or happy. Happy is the person who fosters relationships with people who honor God and create space in their brain for truths from God's word. These people will bear fruit, experiencing extreme happiness. So now the question, are you a happy person? Or are you always seeking the next something to create this temporary feeling of well-being, joy, and contentment. If the Bible gives us an equation to follow to achieve happiness on a regular basis, and you are currently seeking other means to create this temporary feeling of happiness, are you willing to change? Till next week, we'll see you.